Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. I am your host, Martha Reddick. And this week, we have a very special guest, a dear friend of mine named David Smith. Hi, David. Hi, Martha. Thanks for having me. It is great to have you. Um, David is going to be talking to us about autism and uh, how to incorporate games into your nannying and uh, techniques into your nannying that will help with all kids, right? Oh, I, uh, is yeah, that fair? Absolutely. Yeah, that will help with any and every kid, um, but specifically uh, those with autism. Mm-hmm. So awesome. Before we get started on that, though, let's hear a little bit about your background. Uh, so my background is I graduated with an elementary education degree nice. and I decided I didn't want to teach within the classroom confines. So I started doing children's theater across the country. I ended up here in Chicago six and a half years ago. Nice. And I started working at a camp in the suburbs that works specifically with kids on the autism, autism spectrum uh, through theater to teach social skills. Okay. And um, from that, I've gotten hired at several uh, private therapy practices doing uh, small group therapy to teach social skills through um, therapy where we sit and we talk and discuss, but also through uh, theater and And play and play. Yes. A lot of games, a lot of role playing. Right. Um, Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting to see how kids on the autism spectrum can do things within theater that they can't do in their real lives. Which, yeah, like I I think that we will be saying this a lot, but I also find that true with all children. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. I find that true for myself. Right. When I'm in a play or a musical, suddenly I'm doing things that I don't do in my everyday life. And it's encouraging. You find new skill sets and I love it. (laughs) Yes, I do too. Um, And that is how uh, David and I know each other is through doing a play with Compass Creative Dramatics, Mm -hmm. who have been on the show before. Uh, They did the theater episode, and you can go listen to that if you have not uh, right after this, because it's also a lovely episode. (laughs) Uh, But yes, I, I find theater unlocks so much for so many people. And it's a it's a valuable thing to me as a nanny because playing pretend, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I say that I do is I play pretend professionally. I, I nanny, yeah. I nanny by day and I act by night. I would agree with that. And I also think that there's a natural um, ensemble nature. Right. So you ha- it's, it's a natural social setting. You yes. have to learn to work together and compromise and do all of these things within theater that you don't always have to do in your real life. Right. And so it's challenging, but also rewarding, and you create something. And uh, it's, uh, it's challenging, but less so than group work and more rewarding than group work. I would agree with that 100%. <laughs> because I think a lot of teachers try to push that ensemble building technique with group work, and it, it never works out that way. No, I would agree. And a lot of times, like, one person takes complete control, where mm-hmm. within a play, that 
can't happen. It really, it literally can't. No, everybody, <laughs> everybody has to work together and fulfill their role mm-hmm. to be successful. Yeah. Which is so lovely. It is. <laughs> well, awesome. Um, so let's get down to the the meat of the episode, yeah. which uh, let's start with, can you give an overview of autism? Sure. Um, I mean, it's a huge overview. Right. I know. <laughs> so autism is a spectrum. Right. Um, they've gotten rid of most diagnoses within autism and they've it's all falls under ASD now, autism spectrum disorder. Okay. Um, and what that means is it goes from the lowest functioning all the way to the highest functioning and everybody has the same diagnosis. Okay. Um, and so you see... So like Asperger's <laughs> is... Does not exist. Not exist anymore. Okay. No. That's we, interesting because I went to middle school with someone in, that... Uh, was diagnosed with Asperger's Mm -hmm. and we had a big talk about it and things, but it's interesting that that has now changed. (laughs) No. Yeah. And, um, I'm not sure why that happened exactly. Um, but I do know that now it's all been enveloped within ASD. So an Asperger's person before now would be a high functioning autism Okay, is what they would call that. Great. So, um, it's the highest functioning. We still, we still, uh, within the practice that I work for, we'll uh-huh. label somebody as Asperger's because that gives us a, a general feel of how we should approach working with them. Right. Like this person has Asperger's-like characteristics. Yes. Great. Um, but yeah, so Asperger's, not Asperger's, excuse me. <laughs> you got me talking about Asperger's. Yep, sorry. It doesn't exist. It does not exist. <laughs> doesn't exist, guys. <laughs> Autism. You see um, from the lowest functioning kids that are totally nonverbal. Uh-huh. They don't speak. They don't uh, interact much at all mm-hmm. to get something. They I've seen kids use iPads that they literally type on and it, it, it will speak what they're typing to you. Wow. Um, I've seen kids that use uh, ASL and they sign what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go and what my practice generally works with is higher functioning. Okay. And you just see kids that really struggle with uh, connection. Yeah. Uh, social situations. They don't read nonverbals. They can't hear the tone or sarcasm. They can't read nonverbal facial expressions. Right. Um, and so it's just a struggle within every social situation they have, whether it's one-on-one or within a group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the meat of autism that I work with. Right. Is uh, anywhere from middle ground to high functioning. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um and then, and so we talked about the two different ends, the mm-hmm. high functioning versus low functioning. Um, is there something that you wish more people understood about autism that doesn't get talked about a lot? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. The one thing that I would say that I wish more people knew is not that these kids won't do something. Okay. It's not that they're will willingly not doing what's asked of them. It's that they can't. Right. This is a disorder. This is a disease. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not them being obstinate. It's not them choosing to like upset you or irritate you. They literally have no way of completing tasks that are asked of them. Okay. And that comes from slow processing skills. That uh-huh. comes from um, neurons that fire. Mm-hmm. So uh, if your neurons fire, you, you're going to do it. So you can look at a kid in the eye and say, don't kick. And he says, I'm not going to kick. And then a neuron fires and he kicks. Right. Um, and he, he's not doing it. He or she is not doing it to actually kick or hurt somebody. It's right. just that that's the way their brain functions. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. So it, it's, it's And that is a really good way to think about it, mm-hmm. especially as a nanny. Because, you know, when you work with most kids, you are trying to curb things that you're like, you're making a choice and it was a poor choice. Yes. But with children with autism, it is not a choice. Not always a choice. Sometimes sometimes it's a choice. Sometimes (laughs) it is a choice. Um, I would say most times not. Right. Um, So and and within autism, you have um, what you call emergent. Uh-huh. which is a little bit lower functioning. Usually okay. younger children, they're very concrete and rigid. There's less flexibility within um, their schedules. They don't like things coming up sponta- uh, spontaneously. spontaneously. Yeah, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. You nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> got it. Um, so <laughs> they, um, uh, and so with them, it's uh, it's it's really important to 
let them know the expectations before you do anything. Right. Because that will set them up for success. Whereas if you have a plan and then it changes and you haven't given them any warning of change, Mm -hmm. then it's going to be even harder for them to, um, to use skill sets that they don't have. Right. You know what I mean? But if you give them the expectation, sometimes skills will come out because they are able to follow the plan that you've set for them. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which is something that I use with, I mean, toddlers Mm -hmm. in general are not great with changes in the plan. For sure. Um, And so things, little things that I use every day are the five minute warning. We're going to start cleaning up in five minutes. We're going to leave in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to start on your homework in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Anything that I know is going to be a little bit of a struggle. Absolutely. I give a five minute warning for. And that's really smart. Also, if you have something um, come up unexpected, uh-huh. um, giving them as much notice as possible right, and really explaining things to them, I know this was the plan. Right. This is what just happened. Mm-hmm. So let's process that together. They need a second to process as well. Yeah. And then now this is our what we have to do. Let's let's try it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I would also think that asking how can I help you mm-hmm. uh, is a good thing. Of like, do you want me to go get your shoes for you? Mm-hmm. Things like that. Uh, little offerings of I understand Mm -hmm. (laughs) that this isn't the plan I agree (laughs) I agree and I also so I now I'm thinking of other things I want people to know about autism yeah great is that um their processing skills just tend to be slower Mm -hmm. not the case across the board but just generally Mm -hmm. um and so we live in a generation of now yes with the internet with answers at our fingertips that if you ask somebody a question you want that answer or you want a response immediately right sometimes most times these kids need seconds minutes to process what is being asked of them so they can properly respond right and teachers adults siblings peers all want that immediate response and they they don't have it so they just if you ask something of them, stop, <laughs> let them process it, and uh-huh. then when they're ready to answer, they will. That's great advice. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, that is something. And to just also practice empathy, which we ask of our kids all the time mm-hmm. to practice empathy. But imagine if you were being asked all day, every day <laughs> for immediate responses when that is something that's very difficult for you. Yeah. That is tiring. I... I come home after nannying all day and I don't do well with things being asked of me nope. because they have been asked all day. <laughs> um, so yes, also keeping that in mind that we all go through, <laughs> we need a second. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yes, just practicing that empathy of, okay, this is something small that I can do that helps yeah. make them feel more comfortable. And even telling them that they have the time right really pointing it out to them not saying think about it let me know you could yep. take your time i'm here mm-hmm. whenever you want to and that's something that's true of all kids giving them permission to do something mm-hmm. especially when it's something hard for them yeah giving them permission to take the time they need giving them permission to go do something it's really important for them to hear that from an adult yes i completely agree mm-hmm. because it is we do Overschedule kids, yeah, uh, a lot, which leads to this like, okay, we gotta <laughs> we gotta get in the car like five minutes ago mm-hmm. to make it to gymnastics on time, um, and so this when there is room to breathe, let it take it, yeah, yeah let it breathe, and I I find that going for walks is one of the best ways to like practice that on a daily basis because when you go on a walk if you are just going on a walk and the purpose is just to go on the walk Mm -hmm. then you can see more stuff yeah so one of my um favorite activities to do not only with uh my students right um but for myself is uh i call them mindful walks yeah and so uh it was especially true when i i worked downtown and i would have really bad days Uh uh-huh i would walk um and just be very mindful of just something. Usually Mm -hmm. it would be like architecture and I'd be like, let's find a building 
I haven't seen, even though I've walked this walk every day for a year and a half. Right. Find a building I haven't seen and really look at it. Nice. And so like it, it would really clear my mind and it would, and um, the same is true for kids. When we stop and we say, let's be mindful of this and let's just think about what we're doing mm-hmm. and let's take it in. It, it's very beneficial for them. Yeah, for sure. Um, so if a nanny is just starting with a family that has a child who is on the spectrum, mm-hmm. um, is do you have advice for like getting to know you mm-hmm. uh, games or activities or things like that that tend to work better? Or is it kind of, do you I, have advice about y- games yes in and, general? Yes and no. Um, so new people, new situations are extremely difficult, if, right. especially if you know that this child is on the spectrum. Um, so getting to know you is just um, a quick, I, I, I would recommend a quick introduction. Right. This is who I am. <laughs> who are you? You know, let them talk. Right. And then I let them choose the game. Right. Whether it's a board game, whether it's a video game even. Mm-hmm. The first session, and I actually, I, I, I sometimes work with adults mm-hmm. and it's the same, same setup. Right. The first session we do whatever the client wants to do. Okay. Um, and that's because new social situations are so difficult for children or adults on the spectrum that um, just letting them have something that's comforting to them Yeah. for the first session, second session even, if it's still a little wonky. Right. And just they become comfortable. They start to trust you without, uh, without trust. Mm-hmm. And that's I, I think that's true of all kids. Without having their trust, you're not going to make any ground right so allowing them to pick the game going into their world for a session maybe even two mm-hmm. and letting them really get comfortable with you isn't my that would be my biggest recommendation for kids on the spectrum great yeah um let's say and there's a hypothetical so you might not have an answer and that's okay cool. um <laughs> let's say you go in because this happens frequently with me with a lot of kids I go in, I say, what do you want to do? Like, you can choose anything. And they just say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you What do you do then? Oh, that happens all the time. Yeah, I, I don't know is such a common response. Yeah. Um, I would um, just start throwing out ideas okay, of things great. that I like to do. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, yeah, this is whenever I meet somebody new, I like to play this game. And um, sometimes it's like two truths and a lie. Right. Just a really simple get to know you game. Yeah. Um, and I keep throwing things out until either they agree to something or I wear them down and they just say, <laughs> fine, I'll play that game with you. Right. Um, but usually you, you suggest something. Yes. And then you see sparks. the spark. And even if they, you, the spark happens and they're like, oh, but no, I don't want to do that. Right. Like you saw the spark and you can convince them to play that game. That's great. Yeah. I don't have any specific su- suggestions for like first time. It's finding... Yeah. Either like a mutual thing you want to play, right? Or like I, like I said before, just letting them choose a game that you can play together. If it's a video game, though, you have to make sure that it's multiplayer. And I strongly dislike video games. Right. I only let it happen in the first session. Yes. And that's just because I want to get comfortable with them. I want them to be familiar with me and trust me, and we can build from that. Right. Yeah. So it can't. It can't be. Single player. No, it cannot be a single player game where you sit and watch them play. <laughs> right. That's no, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. No. That's fair. Uh, and and for me personally, that would be extra difficult because I'm very bad at video games. And uh, I have had a child tell me that they will only play Lego games with me because I can't die and hold them back. Ouch. <laughs> I know. Ouch. I got burned by. I think he was seven at that point. <laughs> oh, man. I know. I'm sorry. But I'm really bad at video games. <laughs> and I knew that going into it. I mean, I am too. I just get my butt kicked every time. Yep. But at the same time, it's like, 
Well, at least they're having fun. Yeah, they're having fun. <laughs> and I will say Lego games are the best because you can't die and you get rewarded for like blowing things up. Oh, so, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> and they break into Lego pieces. Oh, so it's not know? even like a real blow up. It's right. just like, a, oh, more Legos. Yeah, yeah. More Legos that you can choose to put back together <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. And you don't hold them back. Exactly. Exactly. I know. I was like, ouch. <laughs> that hurt. That, that stung. Kids are brutally honest. They really are. And I love them for it. Me too. Um, well, that's that's really great advice of because I, I imagine, and this is true for every family I've ever met, the very first time is just hard. It's mm-hmm. hard. And so I think that's a great piece of advice for any family that you're starting with. Um, and then, uh, yeah. So then once you get to know them, Mm -hmm. um, what are some games that you love playing with kids? Cause we're always looking for, for new. Yeah. So one-on-one games, it's, it's hard, right? It is. It is. Um, but like just today with one of my clients, we were playing uh, the questions game. Uh huh. Because WH questions are hard, but asking open ended questions is just a good thing. Uh huh. Yes and no questions don't no, go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were playing questions, and you just ask any question you want. They don't even have to relate to each other. Right. But you can only ask questions. If you don't ask a question, you get a strike. Okay. Uh, and so like we were just playing that back and forth. Eye contact is the key. Just uh-huh. just see how fast we can ask questions. <laughs> um. Uh, some other ones um, that we play in like the group settings are right. like, we really like Zip Zap Zop. Yes. What are you doing is really good for this group. Okay. So let's break some of these oh, down. Oh, sure. Okay. Because there are nannies that might not know what yeah. Zip Zap Zop is. Absolutely. Uh, welcome to the improv world. <laughs> yes. Hello, nannies. <laughs> Hello, You're nannies. in for a treat. <laughs> um, so Zip Zap Zop is a very simple game and it uses only three words mm-hmm. and those three words are Zip zap and zap Mm -hmm. unsurprisingly (laughs) um and so you stand in a circle and you pass the the zip zap and zap Mm -hmm. by making eye contact with somebody else in the circle right and you put your hands together and you swoosh one forward (laughs) explaining things on the air i know it is hard which i will also on the facebook page i will try to find either a video Mm. or like a cartoon version of this because it is a very fun game that you should play. It is. And yeah. And so like, uh, then there's so many variations. Some people play that you, you do the hand motion with every word. Mm -hmm. So zip, zap, and zop. Some people play you only do the hand motion on zop and it makes it a little bit more challenging. Right. Um, We never play outs because outs just aren't fun for the kids that get out. Um, But you can if you really want to get creative and like, Challenge if, kids. If the kids have mastered it and they yes. need a more challenge. Yes. But I would not play outs for mm-hmm. a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Another game that's a big hit with uh, our clients is What Are You Doing? Uh-huh. Um, Martha, are you familiar with What Are You Doing? Somewhat. Okay. So What Are You Doing is, again, you can stand in a straight line. You can stand in a circle. This one, it's um, not that important. Mm-hmm. Um, and you... Um, one person will start doing a motion. So if I started uh, pantomiming or pretending like I was dribbling a basketball, uh-huh. Martha would then say, Dave, what are you doing? And instead of saying dribbling a basketball, I would say, I am curling my hair. Oh. Then Martha would have to start curling her hair, pretending. Uh-huh. And the next person would say, Martha, what are you doing? And Martha would say something that is not curling her hair. Anything, any activity youth can think of, you say. And you keep going around in the circle and again, once they get good at that, you can put like a time limit on each suggestion. You can say no repeats. Right. Um, and that you can challenge that one a lot too. And that, that one you can actually probably do with two people. I don't know how long you'd be able to do it. Right. But it really gets the creative juices flowing and it's fun. Yes. Especially because you can make them do silly things and they can make you do silly things. Yes. Kids love seeing adults do silly things. It's very true. Mm-hmm. And that is a really good way to earn trust. Yes. Um, is by doing silly things. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um. A game that I just thought of that I think would work well Mm -hmm. for all kids uh, is Kitty Career. Have you ever heard of Kitty Career? No, I've never heard of it. So you stand in a circle and you... Apparently, we've been doing this wrong, but you make up like a little clap thing with like, kitty, career, meow, meow, kitty, career, meow, meow. And then someone is in the middle of the circle Mm -hmm. and they act out 
a career, but oh. as a cat. So you're only allowed to say meow, <laughs> and you can add in cat-like things oh, of like that. licking your paws. Yes. Um, and then you pantomime a career, mm-hmm. and then the first person to guess what that career is gets uh, to be the next person yes. in. And that's a really fun way to... <laughs> Yeah, and I love I love that there's like a chant to it. Yes, that's fun. And the added layer of being a cat doing the career mm-hmm. uh, just makes <laughs> it really really funny. I wish cats had careers because I, I think they, they'd probably be better than humans at most things. They probably would. Yeah, they're so decisive. <laughs> I feel. I do too. You know what's funny? I never used to be a cat person, mm-hmm. and now I'm moving in with two cats, and I love cats. That's great. It happened out of the blue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. Cats are pretty great. Yeah, they are. Uh, I like all animals, actually. <laughs> Me too. Uh, yeah. I don't have time to be a pet owner, unfortunately. Right. But I love animals. Yes. Yeah. But that's nice that you can live with an animal. Yeah. Um, or two. Oh, I guess, I, yeah, I just contradicted myself. I guess I can be a cat owner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't have to take care. Like, no. You I'll don't be have like, to do any I'll of be this. like a step uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Step uncle. What a what a weird family relationship. <laughs> well, it just it puts me one more level removed, right? Just in case things go wrong, I can be like, oh, but I'm I out. I wasn't. <laughs> I'm just the fun step uncle. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, awesome. So those are those are some really mm-hmm. fun games. Yeah. One more that I think would probably work really well with two or three, if you're nannying mm-hmm. a couple kids, is um. Either one-word story or three-headed expert. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so like one-word story is you just create a story one word at a time. Mm-hmm. So if Martha and I were talking, we could only talk one word at a time. Right. Right? Do you want to demonstrate that? Sure. Let's do it. Once. Upon. A. Time. There. Was. A. Podcast. That. Featured. <laughs> David. Smith. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's how one word story works. <laughs> and sometimes I really like to script it as it's being written, as it's being said. Sometimes I like to just let it live and let it be. And like that was that sentence was said. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and it happened and we laughed. But sometimes scripting it and then like going back and like acting it out can be a really fun challenge for these kids. Uh, any kid. Right. Because it gets real silly. Uh-huh. And unicorns and everything are coming out. And <laughs> they're eating baba ganoush and it's great. Um and that's Ooh. a really good one to demonstrate give and take. Yes. Of because you will find mm-hmm. <laughs> when you do this, and I found when I do it with adults, <laughs> that a person gets a direction in their brain mm-hmm. and they really try to drive the story in that direction. And yep. they will find with time that that will not work. Nope. And so uh, it's just a really good lesson that happens naturally in the moment. Uh, instead of being told, you have to share the story with everyone. It's like, no, you can keep trying to tell it about a puppy, but we're over here with dragons now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so in, within the um, autism community, this is actually a huge challenge because you, you have kids that are just so rigid right. that their idea is not what was said oh but i said this so then you could say this no but that's <laughs> that you're learning the lesson and it's hard yeah um and i i think that's true for all kids mm-hmm. um but this really does it just it it's fun but it also is like there's a very good point to it yes there is and i also think that that works well with siblings mm. because a lot of times uh when i watch siblings play mm-hmm. they you know, one takes control, but with the one word story, the playing field is pretty even. Totally level. Um, and so they can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, and then, so three headed expert is just a, a condensed version of that mm-hmm. where, uh, you just have three kids line up, uh, you can participate if you want. And then you ask, uh, the three headed expert a question uh-huh. and they just have to give an answer, uh, one word at a time. Right. And so, uh, it's just very quick and you, but you have to set up the fact that they they end the se- the sentence mm-hmm. or the, the answer to the question with a period. Okay. So your punctuation will actually end this part of the exercise, and then we'll move on to the next question. Okay. So it's, Great. it's short. You're not trying to tell a whole story. Just answering a question. There's a there's a topic that mm-hmm. they're speaking to instead of just the. Yeah, and actually, I was just at a training that taught me such a cool way to do this. If you have. Um, kids that get stuck super easy in one word story uh-huh. you say um once upon a time uh-huh they say the rest of the sentence 
Um, and oh, and because of this, they fill in the rest of that. Uh-huh. And then, um, and then you go, and then, and then, and then, and from now on, this. And so it really structures this for them. So the yes. story has a plot and like it, 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 you can start be teaching like beginning, middle and end conflict resolution. And like, there's a lot of t- really interesting teaching points that come out. Yeah. That's really great. Yeah. And I'm, and I muddled, I muddled how they actually do it. I, I should look it up and I'll send it to you. Okay, great. And yeah. then I will post that on Facebook. Sure. So, uh, <laughs> look on the Chronicles of Nanny on Facebook mm-hmm. for that. But that's a really great thing to do. Something that I do with younger kids who are, still working on language at all and sentence structure uh, when speaking is that I will do kind of a Mad Lib story. Oh, sure. So I will start telling the story and then prompt them. Like once upon a time, there was a bunny and one day the bunny woke up and he had what for breakfast and then Mm -hmm. go from there, you know? And then, and a lot of times I will tell you, I use a, plot from Harry Potter to get started, or I use uh, The Princess Bride to get started. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Because, you know, then Mm -hmm. I have to do less thinking, which is lazy, but I'm juggling a lot of balls. Oh, it's it's, (laughs) it's not lazy. Drawing from your own experience and (laughs) your own passions. Which are two of my favorite stories. Yeah, like, do it. Because the more that you are passionate about something, the more the kids will relate to it. Because if you're yeah. fake, kids read that so oh, quickly. so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a really good way to kind of like start them on that journey. Yes. If, if the one, uh, one word story is mm-hmm. difficult for them. Sure. And actually with like younger kids, I tend to just, um, because I, I'm in a situation where I'll have four to six kids at a right. time. Um, I'll narrate a story and yeah. their entire objective is just to act it out as we're going. Yeah. All is one. And I'm like, okay, but now we're jumping ahead in the story. You don't know what happened, but you're just going to have to keep acting this out. Right. <laughs> and so like it, it challenges them to be thinking, um, not concrete. Right. And so like, they're like, whoa, but I don't know what happened between chapters one and five. <laughs> where, where are we? <laughs> and you're like, well, figure it out. Yep. Cause you will. <laughs> Use context. <please>. Exactly. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting. Uh, what are some things that you would suggest a nanny ask the parents about a child with autism? Something that when I was researching for this episode, something that came up kind of over and over again was being sure to understand their dietary needs. Sure. Um, because, and we've done an episode about allergies. Um, so if you have questions about allergies, listen to that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, they have a lot of times, uh, kids with autism have special dietary needs. Are there other things like that, that you can think of that oh, yeah. a heads up would be good about? Yeah. Um, so, um, kids with autism generally have, um, things that stimulate them, overstimulate yeah. them or trigger them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll see the meltdowns when those things happen. Like, um, again, client I saw today, he cannot lose. Okay. If he loses, things go flying. Right. Um, and so just being aware, not that you should always let him win cause that's right. not, that's not teaching anything. And that's not life. But being prepared to process that with him. Or right. Her. I keep using male pronouns, yeah. and I apologize. That's okay. He or she, <laughs> and be be prepared to process that. Process that with them. How does that feel? Is it a big deal? Is it a little deal? And then uh, there are things that overstimulate them, like auditory um, uh, overload. Right. Um, I can't even think of the term right now. I apologize. Yeah. But the um, they have very sensitive hearing or very sensitive smell, and there right. are things that will just overstimulate them. And it shuts them down. Right. So asking those specific questions of what triggers your child. Yeah. So I can either avoid it or be prepared to process it and be ready for a meltdown. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and hold the space for them yeah. while they go through it. Yes. And allowing them to go through it yes. is important while processing it with them. Yeah. If you try to process something with a, with a child on the spectrum while they're in the middle of it, it's going to hurt them. It's going to hurt your feelings. It's going to not do any good. Letting them go through it. And when they're ready, 
Right. You need to stay in the room with them. Don't don't yeah. don't leave the room. No. Um, but when they're ready, they will come back and talk to you. But you have to stay firm and say, I cannot talk to you right now. Yeah. You are going through this. I want you to go through this. We'll talk in a second and we'll talk about why this happened, how it happened, what can we what strategies can we implement? And that leads me to my next point. Uh-huh. What strategies do these kids use at school, at home? Do they have things that is there a signal? Do I touch my nose? And that makes them remember, I don't do this in public. Or Right. Like, because every kid on the spectrum has some sort of uh, strategy list that they're trying to use and trying to work through. Yes. That's, that's such good advice. Mm-hmm. And I love that idea of um, signals. Mm-hmm. Because I also think that that helps build trust. Mm-hmm. And it's like a language that just you and that child or, you know, everyone close to that child and that child yeah. know. Um, and that just makes you feel special, I I would think. Absolutely. And it takes away the shame. Yes. You're not saying, don't do this. Right. You're saying... Hey, remember. <laughs> I did it again. I'm on the air. I did something yeah. that you guys couldn't see. It he touched great. his nose. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, having that... Uh, I teach my philosophy one of my philosophies is no shame right go through it and let's let's work on this together so you're not feeling shame ever right yes because things are hard life's hard life is so hard as a 31 year old i'm here to tell you life is hard (laughs) um yeah it really is (laughs) um yes and like something that just a little version of that is um my mom she's a second grade teacher and she lets her kids just signal the sign i have to go to the bathroom instead of like raising their hand and saying hey i have to go to the bathroom can i go and so they will signal it she'll nod to them and then they can just go without stopping class without drawing attention to the fact that they're going to the bathroom because that can be embarrassing as a second grader. You're also teaching them life skills. Yeah. Like (laughs) I'm giving you, I'm empowering you to know that you can just go use the restroom because you know your body and you know when it's time to go. Yeah. And then, um, go Martha's mom. (laughs) Yeah. She's a great teacher. I learned so much from her. She's not here in Chicago. Is she? No, she's in Tennessee. Um, and this is her last year teaching. Oh, happy retirement. Martha's mom. Yeah. Lucy. Lucy. (laughs) (laughs) We can use parents' names. Awesome. (laughs) Um, And then another thing like that, which you can work out anything, but um, my stepdad is fluent in sign language. Mm -hmm. And uh, so at parties, when I was ready to go, I knew that he was the only one that could get my mom to leave the party. Sure. And so we had a sign that means ready. You cross and make the R shape with both hands and then go from the center out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would just signal him that <laughs> and then he would be like, okay. Or he would signal back later. Um, that was like, no, we can't leave yet. We've been here 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Dinner hasn't been served. I'm hungry. We got to stay. That's <laughs> yeah. adorable. Yeah. So, But things like that, um, I think are really great. And something that I do with nanny kids is when we're on a playground, and I've talked about this before, when we're on a playground and there's a kid that I know is okay to just be in the playground, mm-hmm. I don't need to be right with them, um, you know, once they're like five and beyond. Sure. Um, I will do kind of a call and response uh, physically with a thumbs up. So if I give them a thumbs up, I need to see a thumbs up back of like, I'm okay, I'm still having fun. Um, and if they give me a thumbs down, then I come over, uh, where, so that they don't have to leave what they're doing to get me, things like that. It so, takes away the shame. It like, does. They don't have to look at their friends and be like, I don't like this. I'm going to leave now. Yeah. Yeah, it puts exactly. puts the ownership on their adult, which it, it kind of should be. It definitely you should know? be. Like we should be paying attention enough to notice that this child's not having fun anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it's, it is really important to mm-hmm. check in like that. Um, with any kid. And so I do think developing some physical signals that you don't have, shorthands Mm -hmm. (laughs) that are like, this comes up frequently. Let's make a strategy for this and develop a physical signal. Absolutely. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Wonderful. Um, I'm trying to think. I just thought of something that 
would be good for the first introduction again. Yeah. I'm going way back in no, the No, that's great. Um, and it's not it's not a game. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I can't remember the name of this teacher who does this, but he works with kids on with all disabilities mm-hmm. and um, a lot of lower functioning, not uh, ver- nonverbal kids right. on the spectrum. And so what he does is he actually will take his cell phone or iPad and he flips the screen. Uh-huh. So they, they're seeing themselves uh-huh. and he records. Um, and a, a lot of the work that I've done with, with video recording is like recording the kid in their natural element right. and then watching it and processing it back. This is like a real time because the kid, a lot of them really struggle with making eye contact and the eye contact is so intimidating and uncomfortable for them mm-hmm. that they can't... Um, they can't communicate to you because they're so uncomfortable and you're like, look me in the eye, look me in the eye. And that's a lot of what we do. Right. Um, and so when you flip the screen, suddenly they're like looking you in the eye, but they're doing it through a screen. Okay. And suddenly these kids that had, had struggled to talk and complete sentences were now having like communicating with him with him. Some still being completely nonverbal, but able to have a conversation nonverbally, which they weren't able to do. Right. And so that would be a very and um, neurotypical or yeah. kids on the spectrum. It'd be a very interesting way to start an introduction with each other is to just grab, grab a screen and flip it. And yeah. let's, let's introduce ourselves to each other through this screen and see how that goes. I don't know. Yeah, but that's a great piece of advice. So just to make sure that I understand what you are saying, you're saying hand them your phone so the screen of your phone is facing the child? No. Okay, great. Um, so taking an uh, an iPhone and um, if you have a case that allows it to stand, uh-huh. stand it in front of you and okay. just flip the camera so it's, it's mirroring. So it's showing you and the child together on the screen. Oh. So you're sitting next to each other. Great. And the, the camera is projecting you. Great. And so like he, if it's too intimidating for them to talk to you face to face, you can just introduce each other talking to the person on the screen. Because that's, that's not, awesome. It's like almost like a fake person, even though it's not. Right. Um, and I, I know that that would work best probably through technology. If for whatever reason you like can't do it through technology, do you think that that would work with a mirror? Maybe. Yeah. I, I never even thought about that. That's a really interesting idea, probably, because yeah. it's the same thing. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Because, I mean, just handing an iPhone to any child is like a treat that they <laughs> they love. Yeah. Um, as, as I, like, my battery goes down so much uh, with <laughs> Snapchat filters. Oh, man, man. Oh, man. Kids love Snapchat filters. They really do. Who would have thought? Yeah. But... Anyway, uh, <laughs> which maybe add a Snapchat filter. <laughs> That's a great idea. We should. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because uh, then it's like, it's not even you guys. It's Mm-mm. dogs. Yes, it's dogs. Talking to each other. <laughs> Every time I open my mouth, a tongue comes out. Yep. <laughs> I'll introduce myself. I'm a dog. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. But they have to have come up with a name and a backstory. Right. Yes. yes, of course. This dog is a stray. Yes. And he was found by his owners <laughs> in the alley behind their house living under the dumpster. <laughs> and now he is happy and he has two siblings and oh. he just loves his life. Yeah. 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 That's my backstory. <laughs> That's great. I love it. <laughs> my dog was adopted as, as a puppy. Oh, lucky. I know, lucky. But, mm-hmm. um, but then... There was an incident and uh, a miscommunication all around. And my dog had to find a new family. A family was found. Uh, And so there was a biting incident. And so now my dog's with a new family. And this is a much better fit. There's no child pulling the tail Mm -mm. anymore. And uh, there's a lot more room to run around, which is important. That is important. To Fifi. You know, what, what What type of dog are you, Fifi? Uh, a Chihuahua. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 Cute. <laughs> <laughs> what type of dog are you? Oh, I'm a St. Bernard. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm big and fluffy. That's great. Yeah. What was your dog's name? Oh, I'm Dee Dee. Dee Dee. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> One letter on the, apart. Yeah, you put me on the spot. I'm like, I'm like, I'm here teaching improv, and I can't think of a name for my dog. No, that's okay. Mm. Names are always really, really difficult. They are, but 
I I feel like in an improv scene, names make or break a scene. They really do. Because if like I'm calling you Susan and then suddenly I stop calling you Susan. Right. Even if I don't call you another name, it's like, but why aren't you calling them Susan anymore? Right. You know, you know her name is Susan? Yeah. <laughs> you gave it to her. Yeah. I know I, know I gave it to her. I forgot. <laughs> I've moved on. <laughs> yes, and. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, Whoa, this went this went down a path. It really did. All right. But I love it. Me too. It was because great. because I feel like that's what we should do with our kids. Is yeah. like let it go down that path. Absolutely. I I think that that is the most true statement for working with kids on the spectrum. Yes. Um, because I've worked with kids whose minds are so much more interesting than the world we live in. Um, yeah. I worked with a kid who could tell me every train number of the metro he's ever ridden on on what date how many people were in the car oh my god and i'm like you're but but getting him to talk to you was so hard right um and like their world is just so much more interesting why would they want to live in mine right and so the the most success that i've had with these types of of children on the spectrum in particular is going into their world right and so if they do say something just being like oh yeah and then what happened and then like <laughs> and we start living out this their world and once you do that they are so much more willing to come into ours right and like and and be a little bit more present even if it's for 10 minutes yeah. you suddenly have a kid that is present and like having a conversation with you and trusting you and you're having fun together um and not there's something to be said about a kid who's an introvert compared to a kid on the spectrum who is is living fantasies in their head. Right. Um, and it's hard to differentiate sometimes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I work with kids that I'm like, are they just an introvert? Right. Are we, are we therapizing this kid because he's an introvert? Because mm -hmm. she's an introvert? And it's just, I don't know. It's it, it's it's a line that I struggle to find. Right. Um, but that's an actor in the therapy world. I'm right, not a therapist in the therapy world. <laughs> Keep that in mind while you're listening to this. Yes, exactly. Um, but still very informative because we're nannies, like dipping our toe yes. into the therapy world, yeah. um, and so it's it's important, I think, to. I mean, everyone's trying their best, mm -hmm. and to keep that in mind, just trying to do right by the kid. You For know, sure. and I th so I say across the board, neurotypical on the spectrum, ADHD, hyperactivity, you name it, going into going into their world, accepting their ideas, whatever it is, right. as long as it's safe. Yes. And saying, yes, this is what we're doing now. Let's do it. I don't, yes. I, I don't care how silly it is. I don't care how foolish I look. Let's do this together and let's bond over your idea. Yes. Yes. So I think that that if I could give my most important piece of advice is going into a child's world and just being right and I, I think i think that that is you have the most influence you gain their trust so much more mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think that is great advice thanks <laughs> you're welcome um what if someone uh wants to know more mm -hmm. uh what are some resources that you would recommend to find out more so, uh, Michelle Garcia Winner, so mm -hmm. I believe that's her last name. Let me double check. Yes, Michelle Garcia Winner. He brought books with him because he's great. <laughs> I, well, and I didn't want to uh, mislead anybody with right. wrong names. She has a whole series um, called The Social Thinking Curriculum. Uh -huh. A lot of really good uh, books about kids on the spectrum, how to like, and for, especially for younger children, mm -hmm. the books are really good at just like setting up scenarios that show these four characters that you follow mm -hmm. and, uh, how they navigate social situations and how they do it wrong sometimes and how they can do it differently the next time. Yeah. Not wrong, not right. They just different. Right. How can you choose a different uh, option? They, she also has this thing called the Incredible Flexible You, which mm -hmm. sets up a superhero named Superflex. Nice. We all want to be Superflexes, and we are fighting um, things like Rock Brain, where we get stuck on something, or was funny once, and we laugh at the same joke, or we tell the same joke a thousand times, but nobody else laughs anymore. Right. And so it's like you're fighting these villains that are just social stigmas. That's Mr. Tortilla Head for me. Oh, yeah? 
in Toy Story 3, Mr. Tortilla Head makes me laugh every time. And but to the point that people around me are like, it's no longer funny, Martha. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, it's still funny. <laughs> He's a tortilla head. He can't stand up straight. Oh, it's perfect. It's great. Uh, but can we talk about Toy Story 3 being the best of the oh third my gosh. trilogy that I've it's ever seen? Amazing. It's great. Um, yes, but look up anything by Michelle Garcia winner. Okay. Excellent, excellent stuff. Great. Barrier- and I will link that on the Facebook page. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Barrier Free Theater mm-hmm. is, um, it's just a book that has tons of theater games um, and ways that you can incorporate uh, a, a child with any disability. It's like, it's right. got specific sections for all disabilities, primarily, mostly. I don't want to say all. Right. Um, but it's it's a great resource for games that you can use to um, connect. That is awesome. Yeah, those are two really really great. And that second one's by Sally Sally Bailey. I Sally Bailey, Sally great. Bailey. And I will link that as well on Facebook. So uh, check out the Chronicles of Nania Facebook page. Do it. Um, is there anything else? Any like documentaries or? Um, Oh, anything um, like that, that? Autism the Musical. Okay. That's and that's not even a documentary about um, necessarily how you can like work. It's not going to give you suggestions for how to work with kids. It's just an amazing documentary. Okay. That great. It like feels good, and you see a kid, bunch <laughs> of kids on the spectrum put a musical together, and you feel great. That is wonderful. I think it's called The Life of Jacob. It's not a documentary, but it's a movie about a kid, a, a, a boy on the spectrum and how he navigates his life and getting a job and uh-huh. life skills. Oh, there's so much. Um, if I think of more, I, I will yeah. send them your way so you can link them. But yeah, yeah, there's a ton of documentaries about autism and um, just how to work with it, you know? Right, yeah, mm-hmm. which is... What we're trying to figure out. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's tough. And it's, um, so when I started at the camp here, um, the stats were one in every 100 uh, children are on the spectrum. Right. Now I think it's one in every 46 boys and one in every 62 girls is wow. on the spectrum. Um, and yeah, and I don't, uh, I, I don't know. It, it's just something that is, becoming very prevalent and even if you uh you i i can't form you like the sentence right now but right that, so like even if you don't agree with some of the diagnoses which right. some people say it's overdiagnosed yes um being willing to figure out how to navigate social situations even if it's an over uh, like a an inaccurate diagnosis right is not a bad thing right um so yeah, strategies in general are great. Are, are just helpful. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because uh, David and I were talking before the podcast, uh, before we started recording, about how like every single human mm-hmm. <laughs> has areas of social anxiety. Yes, uh, there are going to be times that you are talking to another person that you're just gonna walk away from and be like, man, that was not my best moment. Uh-uh. <laughs> um, and and so, yeah, just keeping mm. that in mind that it, it is every human uh, has trouble connecting at some point in their life. Absolutely. And then to piggyback on that, the kids or the adults that have been given the label of autism, it's something that sticks. Right. It's something that um, condemns you a little bit, especially in public schools. Right. Um, and so remembering that if you're working with somebody who has that diagnosis, th- what they're going through at school mm-hmm. is probably not great. They probably face a lot of challenges. If social situations are hard and then they have this label, their peers are probably not great to them. Right. And so remembering that you have the opportunity to be a person that is loving and kind and can make their day better yes i just encourage nannies out there to to find the opportunity in your job to really connect with your kiddos Mm -hmm. no matter who they are uh, and find out what sparks them because when i was a teacher (laughs) i had a kid 
who was on the spectrum, who had an IEP. And when I let my thesis was about fostering autonomy in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And when I let him decide how he was going to demonstrate knowledge, I got an entire like video game version of the Jabberwocky that was brilliant and like blew me away. You know, when, when I asked him to demonstrate it my way, it would never have been that brilliant. Nope. So I'm a strong believer in, in uh, individualization. Yeah. Because uh, teaching kids and expecting kids to learn and retain knowledge the same way is just, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's like a joking matter to me. And I yeah. can't believe that um, we have testing that expects kids to know the same exact things. Yeah. Uh, it actually makes me angry. One of the reasons that I did not become a teacher right. is that right there, no child left behind Yep. kept me out of the classroom. Yeah. Um, but as a nanny, as a, a group therapist actor, <laughs> right? Um, you have the chance to like really, really get to know a kid and let them grow and learn at their own rate and find things that they love. Um, for me, I'm lucky enough that it's I'm teaching through a, a method that I love. Right. So I get to see them learning through something I love. Not saying that they all want to be actors. Right. Probably most of them don't. But I, I am able to teach through a method that they are not used to being given the opportunity to learn from. Yes. And I I love that. And so I think really letting kids have the moment to like find their own niche in this world that doesn't want them to sometimes, you know, it's it's important. It's very important. It is. And it is as nannies, we have the privilege and the time to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage you all to look for those opportunities with every single kid that you ever nanny. Yeah. Because that's where the good stuff is. <laughs> you <laughs> it know? Is, though. I mean, the most heartwarming moments come from that. And like, they really and do. Like, you just get to see kids grow through the, those moments more than anything else. Mm hmm. You really do. Mm-hmm. I, and I would say, I mean, we work with, because of the stat, one in every like 46 boys. Right. We work with so many boys, and the biggest challenge is that they are not sports fans. And they right. don't play sports. And like that's still such a, a <laughs> heteronormative expectation of a boy. Yeah. And I'm not even saying that not liking sports makes you a homosexual. I'm saying right. that <laughs> this is like what we expect of our boys is unfair. Yes. And so just because you don't like one thing means that you are different in a way that's unacceptable. Right. And so like... I see these boys every day and I get to see that they're artists and they're painters and that they are really, really smart about space or dinosaurs or creating video games. I have a kid that like he's already designing video games and he's 12. Yeah. So it's like you, you just got to take a moment and just because you don't like something that people expect you to like does not mean it's wrong. Yeah. And, and making sure to communicate that to the kids. Yes. Yes. That it's okay mm-hmm. <laughs> that you don't like sports. Mm-hmm. No matter what your peers right. say to you. Because yes. peers can be nasty. Wrong. And, yeah, and they can be wrong. <laughs> they just are. <laughs> a lot of the time yeah. they're wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I took a gender studies class in college, and uh, it was mostly women, as a lot of gender studies classes are. Yes. Um, and our professor said... She was like, a lot of women feel put in a in a box, mm-hmm. but I would challenge you that men are put in a tighter box. Um, and she's like, and she gave us 30 things. And she was like, ask any of your male friends to do anything on this list. And I bet that they won't. Mm-hmm. One of which was like, carry your textbooks with your arms across your chest instead of down by your side. Like something as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you're less than a man because when, of how you're carrying your textbooks. When I was in middle school, I um, apparently looked at my fingernails the way a female looks at her fingernails. So I looked at them with my palm facing away from me. Uh-huh. And a girl, that was on there as well. Yeah. A girl said, Dave, look, look at your fingernails. And I did. And she said, that's the way girls look at their fingernails. Oh my gosh. Uh, and it took me 20 more years to come out of the closet. So <laughs> thank you, Shannon. <clears throat> For calling it out way too early, <laughs> way Shannon. Too early. Sometimes. And you know, what's you know, what's even the silliest though, is that sometimes when I'm in public now as an out gay man, uh-huh. I will still 
look at my fingernails and then flip them really quick. So oh. I'm doing it the masculine way. Yeah. Which is stupid, but it's just like these expectations that have just been like society has just like shoved at us. Like, right. You do this, girls do that. Right. And just keeping that in mind with the kids we nanny. Yes. That there's they're they're having to learn those rules and then get past that. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're learning what's expected of them and then having to differentiate between what is a realistic and reasoned expectation and what is an expectation for the sake of whatever you know for absolutely because society has said it yeah (laughs) yeah uh and i mean fortunately and unfortunately we're living like they're growing up in a time where these expectations are changing right which is in my personal opinion an excellent thing yes uh but much to my chagrin has to be even more confusing to right. kids because like now it's like you can do this or you can do this or you can't do this or you can't do that and it's like everything is like everybody <laughs> has a different now society has multiple things that you can and can't do and it's I, it is it's confusing yeah it is know. like and so just bearing that in mind <laughs> and being a middle schooler was already hard enough it really was uh, but I guess I mean you see kids like coming out of the closet in middle school now and being yeah. completely accepted so Kudos to that. Right. Let's go millennials. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. Woo. No, they have a new, there's a new generation name, right? Oh, yeah. Because millennials are us. Right. We're the millennials. <laughs> yeah. But, I don't know what they are. Oh, I don't either. But. Oh, well. <laughs> if you know what it is <laughs> at home, email in to chroniclesofnania yeah. at gmail.com. Yeah, please. Uh, or tweet at me <laughs> at Chronicles of Nania. Or Nania Podcast is the actual Twitter handle. Uh, yeah, tweet at me. Yeah. I would love to know. Do it, tweeter. <laughs> um, well, wonderful. Is there is there anything else? No, I mean, we covered autism, gender norms, societal <laughs> expectations. <laughs> But at the basis of it all is love. And we did an improv scene. Oh my gosh, we did. Which was great. It was. We did a couple. Yeah. You know what? We had a great podcast session. We really did. Mm-hmm. Go us. Go us. <laughs> thank you for doing this, Martha. You're uh, you're amazing. Oh, thank you for doing this, David. You're amazing too. Oh my goodness. Are you just saying it because I said it first? <laughs> no, I'm really not. <gasps> oh, it's real. It's real. <laughs> um, you should have seen the look on my face, listeners. Oh, it was, it was, the, it was very sincere. genuine. <laughs> um, well, wonderful. So my uh, challenge to you, the listener this week, is if you are enjoying listening to this podcast, if you can go find one friend and tell them about this podcast, a nanny friend, a person in education, uh, someone with children (laughs) um find one friend and let them know about this podcast because all of the reviews in the world are are very helpful they're helpful to the algorithm but the best thing is when someone tells you about a podcast that you should listen to um and there's some earlier in uh the order there's some episodes that are called highlights which are like the best five minutes or the thesis statement in five minutes of an episode so i would suggest maybe asking them to start there and seeing if it's something that they dig um but if you could do that for me this week that would be amazing um and then we end each uh episode with a story from a kiddo and dave has brought one I have. or david sorry uh, dave <laughs> I, re- I referenced myself as dave earlier okay as well. great great, um, great professional i go by david edward smith i did not make her call me that oh yeah era. but you should have no because I, it, it just sounds so pretentious yeah but there's just too many david smiths to like right Thanks, Mom and Dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I do have a story, um, and it's kind of a sad story, but mm-hmm. also um, just a, a reminder of how much we can influence a child's life. Yeah. So when I was touring with the Children's Theater probably about seven years ago, we were in a, um, a smallish town in Montana, and we would go into a town, and we would audition kids from the town cast them in a full hour-long production of, uh, at the time we were doing 
I think Robinson Crusoe. Oh, nice. Um, and so the way we auditioned them was we would line them up in height order, mm-hmm. tallest to shortest, and that would give us a general idea of age. So we knew who could handle the bigger roles, who would most likely be in the supporting cast. Yeah. And we had one little girl who just like really stood out this week and we're like, how was she all the way down there? Come to find out she was 10, uh, just extremely, extremely short. Uh, and so we we did. We casted her as a principal um, because she was amazing. Right. And she just had like this upbeat personality where you wanted to be around her. Uh-huh. Um, and then um, we did the week. We did the show. It was great. She was amazing to be around. Mm-hmm. And as we're leaving, not as we're leaving, but towards the end of the week, right. the show's already done. Her parents tell us that she actually has a disease that um, her body has stopped growing. But her internal organs will never stop growing. Oh. And so she um, w- and she was aware of this. She knew that she was going to eventually succumb to this disease and and die not not a not a pretty painful death. right. Um, but her parents then informed us that her one of her like dreams in life was to become be a principal, a leading role in a in a play. Oh my gosh. Um, and so we gave her that opportunity. Um, and I mean, she inspired me because to yeah. be, to have this knowledge of what your life is going to look like and then still just have this cheery disposition and like a light, like she was the definition of a light. Like yeah. she made everyone around her happier. Um, and we got to fulfill something for her that I, I never would have known. Sometimes you don't get to know these things. Right. Sometimes you change a kid's life and you have no idea. You don't get to see the aftermath. You don't get to know how it affected them. Yeah. This time I, I, I we were fortunate enough to know that we changed this girl's life and we made something come true for her that might not have. Right. And so that's just a reminder to all of you nannies listening <laughs> that you have a lot of influence over these children's lives. Yeah. Um, use it for good. Yeah. Influence them in a way that you can be proud of. Yes. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That was really special. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Um, well, and thank you for being on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. I it was a, really, really appreciate it. It was a blast. I had a great time. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> uh, and thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Chronicles of Nania is produced and hosted by Martha Reddick. Artwork by Noni Amadon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.